Welcome to Animals to the Max. I'm your host, Corbin Maxey. This show is about animals and the people who dedicate their lives to them. And welcome everybody to another episode of Animals to the Max. I'm your host, Corbin Maxey. As always, thank you so much for taking the time to tune into the show all around the world. I seriously appreciate every single one of you. Okay, so let's just kind of cut to the chase. On Saturday, which was a few days ago, news broke that Malaysia had lost its last Sumatran rhino. So the Sumatran rhino is now extinct in Malaysia, and there are fewer than 80 that is right, fewer than 80 Sumatran rhinos left on this planet. And I just, you know, I'm so happy this actually created this big media uproar. You know, people on social media were just so irate and, you know, like, what can we do? And, you know, and I almost found myself just feeling that way too. Like, what? Like, how? Like, uh, humans are awful. What have we done? Like, this animal that's been around for so many years and we just come in and literally wipe it out. So I'm not going to lie. I came into this interview just this morning, kind of depressed, like, well, what in the world are we going to do? There's only 80 left. And I'll tell you what, I uh, actually have a new outlook on it and uh, which I'm so excited. So I sat down with Cece Seifert and she is the acting executive director of the International Rhino Foundation. And she sat down with me to go over what they're currently doing to ensure the species does not go extinct. And I'll tell you what, folks, please listen to the interview. It's only like 20 minutes. Listen to it. Share it with your friends and family because there is hope. There is hope for the Sumatran rhino and there is hope for the remaining four other species of rhino. So please listen to this. We have to get the word out. I mean, a lot of people and Cece will say this. A lot of people don't even know that Asia has, you know, these rhinos. Like a lot of people, you know, we think rhinos, they think of Africa and the African plains, but Asia has three species of rhino that are in serious need of help and they just need the word spread. So as always, please make sure to just kind of share the episode, share it with friends and family just to get the word out there. But with that said, let's just get right to the interview. Please welcome to the show, Cece Seifert from the International Rhino Foundation. Cece, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thanks so much for having me. It's great to be here. Yeah, and thank you for doing this last minute. Um, and I guess we could just cut to the chase because, you know, unfortunately, you know, news, global news broke on Saturday of Malaysia losing its last Sumatran rhino. And I just, I had to talk to somebody in the International Rhino Foundation. It was the first organization I reached out to because I just, I really wanted to learn more. And I know a lot of people are upset and, you know, trying to figure out, well, what can we do? Is there hope? So I just thank you for taking the time and let's just jump into it. Absolutely. I'm, I'm grateful for the, uh, the opportunity to talk about it because so many people think about rhinos and they think about Africa and the two species that are in Africa. And, and very few people know that there are actually three species in Asia, two of which now only exist in Indonesia. And it's especially with this last animal dying in uh, Malaysia, Indonesia is the only country in which two species exist. Okay. And how many species of rhino were there? There's a total of five, two okay. in Southern Africa, or two in Africa and three in Asia. Okay. And then, so we have the Sumatran and the Javan rhino in Asia and the greater one horn. And then that's right. Yeah. And then the black, and then black and the rhino. Okay. That's right. Sorry. Yeah, I, 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 I love rhinos. So I'm just like, <laughs> they're pretty, they're amazing creatures. Yeah. So let's talk about the Sumatran rhino just a little bit. I know I looked up some notes, but they are currently critically endangered and they're the smallest out of the five living rhinos. That's right. They're about only chest high if you stand next to one of them. Really? Yes. Oh my <laughs> and they're gosh. also they're covered head to toe in 
fur. They're actually furry, not like a teddy bear or anything, but they are definitely have body hair over their whole body. And the other fun fact about them is, is they're known as the singing rhinos because they're very vocal and they make us a, a song similar to a whale song to communicate with one another. What? I never yeah. knew that. That is so... It's pretty exciting. Have Have you ever had the opportunity to work with one like directly? Yes. So IRF supports a sanctuary um, in Wycombus National Park, which is a national park in the southern tip of Sumatra. So it's a sanctuary where the animals are given uh, about 20 acres each of natural jungle. It's like their native habitat. It's just we put fencing around it. And so they're living in their um, natural native habitat. They're eating all the foods that they would eat normally in the wild. And we have a breeding program there, which is part of our effort to bring the species back from this brink of extinction. So I've had the opportunity to visit uh, that field program and, and meet those incredible creatures. We have seven animals there and we have a full-time um, team there with three veterinarians and keepers for every animal and an incredible security system to keep them safe. And it's a really amazing program that we've been focusing on to, to try and save this species. Wow. And how many are currently left? I mean, estimated. It's estimated there are fewer than 80 oh left God. on the planet. They're all on the island of Sumatra. And then there's a tiny little pocket of them on the island of Borneo in the Indonesian province of Kalimantan, which is the Indonesian portion of Borneo. This is so alarming. I mean, I like 80 left. I mean, can we just talk historically? Were they found all throughout Asia? Or like, I just like, just trying to figure out like their numbers back in the day. They used to have an incredibly broad habitat. They went all the way up into Bangladesh, through Myanmar, Thailand, across the Indonesian archipelago into several of the Indonesian islands. They were in Vietnam. They were in Cambodia. And now they're only in tiny little pockets. Um, and the problem with these little pockets is they can't get together to breed. So there might be three or four here or five or six over here. And there's huge populations of people and and for um farms and uh timber plantations and all these other things blocking the animals from breeding and so even though uh the animals are healthy they're they, they can't make babies and so what we're really trying to do is capture these isolated pockets bring them together into our breeding program and give them a chance to to rebound naturally is there hope still i mean I'm not trying to make this sound doom and gloom, um, but I mean, with only 80 left, is there enough like genetic variation to have a stable? Absolutely, there is. That's great to know. Okay. There is. Okay. Yes. So there are variations between the pockets. There are pockets in southern Sumatra who look even on camera trap a little bit different from the populations up in northern Sumatra. And then the populations over in Kalimantan and Borneo are slightly different as well. So by bringing the, those isolated pockets together, we can ensure that there is genetic variation and that the, the, the next generations of Sumatran rhinos will be strong and healthy. Wow, that's great news. Um, so what is the, the, the greatest threat? I mean, did they just decline because of poaching? Because it says here, I, I just looked up some fun facts, they're the only Asian rhino with two horns. Is that what initially just drove them to the brink of extinction is the poaching crisis? 
it's a combination of both the po poaching crisis, which brought down the initial population, and then the fact that they are isolated. That currently is the most serious threat. Poaching remains a threat, but it's not what is making the population plummet right now. It's the fact that they're dying off naturally all on their own in these little populations. And because they just can't find each other. They can't find each other to reproduce. It's like, you know what I mean? They it's... can't. No, they can't. I mean, they would literally have to like get on a truck and drive six hours to the next national park because there is no forest connecting these these little populations. Wow. Okay. So let's just talk a little bit about the female who died at the Borneo Rhino Sanctuary, correct? She was, uh, yeah, can we just talk a little bit about her? I think I read like she was like 25 and she actually died of cancer. She did. So um, first, I just wanted to take the opportunity to send my deepest condolences to the team there. There is a team of veterinarians and keepers and conservationists who have dedicated their lives to saving the species, and they lost their last rhino. And, and heartbreaking doesn't even begin to describe the loss. I'm, I'm so sorry, and I just want to send um, our love and thoughts to that team in Malaysia, and, and um, our hearts are with you in this really, really sad time. Um, the rhino's name was Iman. She um, was living very happily in a sanctuary run by the Borneo Rhino Alliance, taken care of by an incredible veterinarian named Dr. Zainal. And um, she had, they'd been giving her the best care possible, but she did have cancer and did succumb to, to cancer. Unfortunately, what happens with Sumatran rhinos in particular is if they're not breeding regularly, we find that they start to grow pathologies and tumors in their reproductive tract, which makes it even harder if they do get pregnant to actually sustain a pregnancy. And that's what happened to Iman. She had been isolated for so long that she she got a tumor in her in her I think in her uterus I think and 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 that's what eventually killed her. Oh, I'm so sorry to hear that. Um, have so are these you know these sanctuaries are they successful in breeding the Sumatran rhino? Yes, uh, our our sanctuary in southern Sumatra at the Waikambas National Park. We have two babies that have been born through partnerships, not only with the SRS in Waikambas, but we've been leaning on our incredible zoo partners, particularly the Cincinnati Zoo, which successfully bred three rhinos in Cincinnati. And two of those rhinos have actually been transferred to the SRS. And one of those rhinos is actually the father of the two calves. So uh, Dr. Terry Roth is the head of the program in Cincinnati, and um, even our team in Indonesia calls her the mother of rhinos. And <laughs> she's the, the inspiration, and they're always on the on WhatsApp and messaging her, getting daily updates about the condition of each of the rhinos, and they're helping us breed more babies uh, in, in Sumatra. Yeah, I'm happy you brought that up because there's a lot of people who love zoos, but there's a lot of people who don't like zoos, and they think they're these awful establishments. And I'll tell you what, that is a great – the Cincinnati Zoo and what they did for the Sumatran rhino is a great example of how zoos are seriously helping you know wild animals and saving you know, I mean, because didn't we, I mean, we, we learned so much from Cincinnati, right? I mean, it was pretty much unknown, like they're breeding, correct? Can we kind of expand into that a little bit? Absolutely. So Dr. Roth discovered that Sumatra rhinos are, are induced ovulators. And that means, so primates and humans, for example, ovulate every 28 days, approximately, and it's a regular cycle. But Sumatran rhinos 
don't have a regular cycle like that. The females will ovulate when they are uh, induced by a male. And we haven't figured out exactly what it is, but it's the connection and the interaction between the male and female that makes the female ovulate. And so Dr. Roth figured that out by allowing through daily interaction to let the male and female meet and interact. And then all of a sudden they were realizing that the female there was ovulating. So then they could pair the animals and there were some um, losses and miscarriages, but eventually they did have three successful calves. So if it wasn't for the zoo support and research on the ground day in, day out, we never would have figured out how to breed Sumatran rhinos. I know, and this is so selfish. I really wish I could have seen the Sumatran rhino in Cincinnati because I know they had them for years and then they, you know, sent them, you know, off to the sanctuary, which is great. That's what they should have done. But it's like, man, that would have been really cool. Yeah, he also had a chance. He was in L.A. at the L.A. Zoo for a little while. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm not trying to scream in my mic, but I think, holy crap, I'm sorry. This flashback back in 2004, did they have it? Because I remember I thought I saw either a Javan or a Sumatran rhino, and I didn't know the species. I was like 14, but I was like so excited because I was like, these are so rare. It was in 2004. I don't know if they had it or not, but I saw one. It may have been. It wasn't a Javan because Javans haven't been in zoos in the U.S. So it could have been Harapan over at the L.A. Zoo. I think I did. Okay. Yeah, and a lot of people got to see him also at White Oak Conservation Center, which is one of our partners in northern Florida. Okay. So these are all zoos that have been working together, and and these zoos continue to support um, the team over in Sumatra. So we have veterinarians from White Oak. We have Dr. Terry Roth, who's also coming from Cincinnati, and even veterinarians coming from the Taronga Zoo, which is in Australia. And they fly over to Indonesia and work side-by-side training the Indonesian team and it's this incredible global group of veterinarians all working together to save the species. So is there any other zoos where people, I mean, we, we, we do have a global audience that listens to the show. Are there any zoos or sanctuaries where they can go see them? Or is it just in Indonesia where you're talking about? They're only in Indonesia. They are all back home um, where they should be because we need every animal possible to be part of this breeding program. Um, back in the eighties, there were, there was a huge group of animals captured from the wild and dispersed to zoos all over the world with the idea that we could make an insurance population, this sort of backup population in case the natural population declined. But because the research hadn't caught up with the population and and we still didn't know how to breed Sumatran rhinos, these animals died off naturally one by one. But Cincinnati had that last group. They cracked the nut. They figured out how to breed them. And those animals moved back to Indonesia. And now we have them all in the sanctuary in Wicombus. And as of last year, the government of Indonesia launched a program to capture these little isolated pockets. It's called the Sumatran Rhino Rescue. And IRF is one of the implementing partners working on this program. We're capturing the little pockets of rhinos, animals who would die off naturally on their own and not contribute to their population. We're bringing them into this natural breeding program where they're still living in the forest, still eating more than 100 different types of plants and fruits every day. They're being cared for by by veterinarians, and we're tracking the animals so that we can breed them when the opportunities um, come up. And then we are keeping the two larger wild populations in the wild and letting wild rhinos do what they do best, which is when there are enough of them, they will grow. these populations will grow naturally on their own. And so it's a combination of both conservation breeding and protection of wild, of wild species. And the hope is that we'll grow this 
uh, conservation breeding program large enough so that we will then be able to release animals back into these protected areas. We still have our rhino patrol teams out there in the forest 24-7, protecting not just rhinos, but also elephants and tigers and orangutans hundreds of all these incredible species protecting all of those protected areas so that hopefully we will have a larger Sumatran rhino population in the future. Wow. And do they, do they get along with each other in these sanctuaries or is it just during <laughs> breeding? You know what I, I Yeah. I'm just how, how is there? So Sumatran rhinos are really, they're isolated animals. They really don't interact except when they're breeding or if there's a mother and calf pair. So each rhino has, its own private enclosure, so to speak, where it can wander around the forest. They love wallowing. They will spend hours wallowing in mud puddles. Um, they sort of dig these these mud ditches and sort of roll around, and they are just happy because it's cool, and it also protects them from bugs and and insects, so they can they won't bite their skin because they have a coat of of mud on top of them. So they're wandering around the forest, eating and, and wallowing and napping all day. So, um, and each animal has its own individual enclosure. And then every morning, the veterinarians check on the animals, see what their temperature is, check on how the females are coming along with their, they actually look with an ultrasound at the, at how big the follicles in their ovaries are getting. And when the eggs are getting just big enough, then they'll bring the male and female together let them breed, and then um, hopefully there is a pregnancy. So these, this is ongoing every single day in the Sumatran Rhino Sanctuary. Wow. Do you know how long their gestation is? Yes, it's long. It's 16 months. Um, oh, it's Lord. a long gestation. Oh, my yes, God. It's, it's, um, it's, it's a long wait, uh, but it's worth it. It's worth every moment. So, uh, But that's why we really need to, to be on top of making sure we can get every animal participating in growing its own population because it takes so long to get a new baby. And how long will the calf stay with the mother? Usually uh, about two years. Okay. So there's a term called intercalf interval, which is the, the length of time between births that a female will have. And right now that intercalf interval is about four years in a conservation program. Um, so we're trying to shorten that so we can have babies on the ground more frequently. And so all the females in our program are being bred regularly. And so we, we're hoping to get a pregnancy soon. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. And I, how, I mean, I'm sorry, I'm not trying to drill you, but I'm just so curious. When are they sexually mature and able to breed? Um, so one of the male calf that was born in 2010, 2012, his name is Andatu. He's just starting to hit sexual maturity oh. and he is seven now. So it takes a while. It takes a while. Okay. Okay. And just really quick, just my last question regarding breeding. Cause I feel like in captivity, we've had success with the Southern white, you know, white rhino, you know, also yep. I think, you know, the black rhino as well. I mean, why do you think the Sumatras are so hard to breed compared to other species that we've successfully been able to breed in captivity? I don't know. I, I they just it's they're just tricky. Um, they're they're just some species that are harder to breed than others, and because there are so few of them, there's fewer opportunities for research to study 
how they breed, the physiology, the reproductive cycles and all that. And so since there's such a limited pool for us to work with, we, we only learn in little bits and pieces. So that's why the SRS, the Sumatran Rhino Sanctuary, is such a gift because there's daily interaction. There's daily research going on by the teams there. And we're learning as much as we can. So we're not just caring for the animals, but we're learning about them as much as we can. Awesome. Okay, Cece, I asked a few people on my social channels on Facebook if they had any questions for you. Do you mind if we go through a few of them? Yeah, sure, of course. Okay, and I'm so happy that people are so invested. And I have to say, aren't you happy that like social media is like a thing? I mean, is a thing now because people really care. I mean, people do. Yeah, yeah, and. Because of social media, we can give people updates on what's happening with those rhinos at the SRS. So on Datu, that male who was born in 2012, he actually has his own Facebook page and people can follow him. And he give update, he gives updates on his little sister, Delilah, or he complains about the older rhinos. So it, he's sort of our, our voice from the SRS with whenever they have a birthday, the keepers make big birthday cakes out of uh, native fruits, like big towers of pineapples and bananas and pumpkins and all sorts of stuff. So he complains when he does and get some birthday cake and things like that. So that if people so cool. do love some, <laughs> yeah, so much, uh, social media does open a whole new world into what's happening in the field. It does because you don't have to worry about, you know, back in the day, the major news outlets picking it up. I mean, you could just put it out there and people really, really care. And so, yeah, I just, yeah. I think it's awesome. Okay. So let's just go through a couple of this. Um, Angie from actually the All Creatures podcast. Hey, Angie, she's a huge fan of rhinos. Uh, were they able to collect any gametes um, for preservation, cryogenic preservation? From what I understand, yes, they were. Um, so they have frozen semen from Tam, who is the male who passed away last year, and they have eggs from Iman. So um, they had done some gamete collection earlier when she was still alive, and the protocol is to collect as many gametes as possible when an animal dies. I haven't had confirmation from that, but that, since that is the protocol, I assume that they did. Okay. I love this question that Aaron asked. Aaron said, what can we do as Americans to help protect the few remaining in the wild? Well, it's all about knowing that they even exist and supporting the programs that protect and breed those animals. So um, sometimes, it, you know, I feel a little guilty just asking for money, but sometimes just donating and then telling people about Sumatran rhinos. Most people have no idea that there are two rhino species that only exist in Indonesia. You know, you think of rhinos out on the African plains, but there are rhinos hiding in the jungles right now. So talk about rhinos and talk about the organizations that are doing really hard work to protect them. Yeah. And I think even sharing this podcast or liking the International Rhino Foundation's page, like that's all, you know, contributing. You maybe have a great Aunt Beth who doesn't know that there's a Sumatran <laughs> rhino, you know, I mean, you know, really, though, like your friends and family, just get the word out. Yeah. And there is a new BBC show that will be aired later, um, I think in January. And they came to the SRS and they filmed the rhinos there and they recorded that singing noise that they did. So that'll be on television in America soon. It's already live in in the UK. So we, we have to wait. But um there's there are an incredible opportunities online. Follow Andatu on Facebook and learn about what's going on with those animals. There's so much to do to support these incredible, amazing animals. How do you spell that Andatu? Can you spell that for my it's, listeners? Sure. Okay. His name um, is a Andatu A N D A T U. 
And it's actually a combination of his mother's name. His mother's name is Ratu, which R-A-T-U. That's queen in Bahasa Indonesia, which is the language of Indonesia. And then the father is Andalus, who was born in Cincinnati. And so Andalus and Ratu had Andatu. And Andatu also means gift from God in Bahasa. Oh, they sure are. Okay, gift of God. That's great. Okay, Cece, you're going to kill me. But like, can you, and you can say no if you don't want to do this. But what is their singing like? Can you give it? Oh, (laughs) Uh, just come on. I would have to send you, it's like, okay, the closest way to describe it is a whining puppy slash whale song. So they'll be like, and if you're holding fruit they they really really whine and they just want you to scratch their ears and give them fruit um i that was no that was incredible thank you i totally put you on the spot that sounded really good we've had a lot okay of people... all my colleagues in indonesia are gonna make fun of me when no, they hear this sure no that sounded so good we've had people butcher <laughs> animal vocalizations and it's like yeah we're gonna have to edit that out but that was amazing thank you okay um okay mary said can they mate in captivity or be helped in some way to rebuild their population i guess you kind of explained that but absolutely yes we're working very hard to perfect the the art of of rhino breeding it is a um it is an art and science and we're working really hard to maximize all the animals we have to make as many babies as possible awesome cc thank you so much for coming on the show is there any parting pieces of parting pieces of advice you want to tell my listeners or anything else they could do to help the sumatran rhino and all rhino species well, I think the most important thing is don't give up hope. I mean, there are species whose populations were even smaller than 80 individual. For example, look at the California condor. It was nearly extinct. It was extinct in the wild. And through conservation breeding, there are now hundreds of pairs back out in the wild breeding and making lots of babies. So just never, never give up hope. We are compl- we are 100% dedicated to saving the species. We are confident that we will save them. We just need everyone's support to do that. Yeah, and I'm sorry, like came on the podcast, so depressed, like CC, are you there? Okay, hold on one second. <laughs> <laughs> like, no, and you know what? You know what? Let's just really quick, another species I had on an expert um, regarding vaquitas, the small porpoise that is, yes. there were only 15 left. There was news broke a few days ago. They spotted one with a calf and it was like, it was like, woohoo, like I know there's only, you know, now there's 16. Like it's just, there is hope. So yes, I love that you said that. Don't give up, there is hope. Never give up hope. We we are committed. We have incredible people working on the ground who have dedicated their lives to saving these species. And, and we will bring the Sumatran rhino back from the brink of extinction. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Animals to the Max podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with friends and family. Also, if you haven't already, hit the subscribe button. It really helps me out. As always, if you have any guest suggestions, if you want to email me personally, head on over to CorbinMaxi.com. And if you haven't already, check out our social channels. You can follow me at CorbinMaxi on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. We'll talk to you next time.